0: I had this in my heart, and you know, I've really um, been praying uh, about this year, and just about the church, and kind of what's the season that we're in, and um, you know, some of the things that kind of our core values, in a sense, in other words, what do we stand for, what do we believe, and those types of things, and um, really what I believe the Lord is uh, not just... uh, maybe stirring up in us, but even that will be stirred up in us. And, you know, and I've really been stirred, and you probably have uh, kind of picked up on this because I probably mentioned it uh, quite a bit, but about us um, uh, really specifically in the area of generosity. And, uh, you know, and I believe that as Christians, we're called to be generous, uh, you know, and, and there's reasons why, and we're going to look at some things tonight. And, uh, you know, but I believe there's, even though the Bible, you know, there's, there's two things that Jesus talked more about than anything else and it number one was time, and number two was money. Now, people don't like to always talk about, they're like, no, he talked about love, and he talked about, you know, this and that, but if you actually go look at the teachings of Christ, why? Because if you want to find out what's important to you, where do you spend your time, and where do you spend your money? And, uh, you know, God is about our heart, and, uh, you know, and, and so I want to get into some things with you tonight, and, and I don't know that I'll finish this, but I'm going to try, and uh, but still get you out of here at a decent time, but... You know, really, and it's kind of a phrase is, uh, that has been just rolling around in me, is that living generously. Now, let me just say this kind of upfront: Just because you're a tither does not mean you're generous. Now, I believe it starts there. I believe that's a part of it, but it's not reserved to that place. You know, because I have been a stingy tither. So I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I have been stingy and yet gave. Why? Because I I understood that, hey, I need to tie that belongs to the Lord. It's not mine. I'm just a manager. I get it. But then the Lord would say, but I want you to do something outside of that. And I'm like, no, that's my money. <laughs> like, I, you know, I mean, and I had that. Well, what is that? That's selfishness. That's flesh. That's me wanting, you know. But yet I believe that, and not just for you as, an, as individuals, but I believe even as the church, I believe that the Lord is going to give us some opportunities. Um, you know, I'm not, I mean, it may be this year. It may be who knows when. But for us to even do some things generously in our community where people are going to say, why would you do that? And I don't mean like on small scale, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I think it was back in August. We went to whatever that thing was and we gave away water, right? Mm -hmm. How many remember that? Outdoor Outdoor Expo. And we were just there. We had on our little, we love our city shirts and, you know, and we were there handing out water to people. What? Just being light to people, just being able to serve our community. You know and you 're like, "Well, nobody got saved well we don 't know maybe somebody maybe the Holy Spirit started working on somebody because they got a little bottle of water that the Holy Spirit prompted something in their heart. We have no idea, but I believe um, you know in my heart and i 've sensed is about us as even as a church as a whole about being generous, uh, and you 're going to be hearing more about these things uh, you know uh, here in the not too distant future." Um, because I believe it's important that uh, we get outside of our walls and go out and to do things. Uh, You know, it's even things like the EXO conference, you know, that we're doing. Yes, it's an investment, but it's an investment. It's not wasted money. And, And there's a big difference. We're not just spending money to have an event. We're investing in families. Uh, We're investing in moms and dads and husbands and wives and kids and families. And and I believe that, you know, even for us as a church, that if we'll have a heart for what we're doing and really understand that, hey, we're investing into people's lives. You're like, yeah, but those people go to another church. I don't care. Why? Because I believe it will make our marriages stronger. I believe it will make our families stronger. I believe, why? Because you can't sow that you will not reap. It's just a principle of Scripture. And so this plays out into every part of our life. But I also know and have experienced it in my own life, but also have seen this play out in many other people's lives as well, is I believe people really don't fully comprehend, understand, and I don't mean to say that I do. I'm still learning in this area. But... You know, even in the areas of generosity and living, uh, really living it out on a day-to-day, all-the-time kind of basis. Um, you know, but there's a thought about this is that to live generously, we have to be prospering first. Like, in our mind, like, I can't be generous until I feel like I have the ability to be generous. You know, and that's logical. It makes sense, right? And I'm not saying that you give beyond your ability. But what I'm saying is if you're not conscious of being generous... You won't be. Because sometimes to be generous might require some sacrifice on our part. You know, and, and so, you know, I want to look at some things tonight. And, and I just want to say this up front. Uh, you know, because it's important. Because, you know, um, the Bible talks about money. So if I'm a pastor and a decent one, then I've got to talk about money too. And, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, because it's important. Uh, you know, it, it greatly affects not just our checkbook, but I believe it affects our hearts. Yes. Um, you know, and so, and yes, it, it does begin, I believe, with honoring the Lord with the first fruit of our life. It, it begins with tithing, but yet, that's not where it stops. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, and you say, well, how do you know after the tithe what to do? You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, you do what the Lord tells you to do, and if the Lord doesn't tell you to do anything, guess what? Don't do anything. But if He does prompt you, then you have a choice. You know, and so, I know that some of you are familiar with what many would call the prosperity gospel, hey, you know, and I and I know and I fully understand um, some of the resistance to that. And this is what I would say is that I ha- I actually uh, you would you could say this is that I grew up in a in a sense of a prosperity gospel church. Many people would have labeled us that, um, you know. But I also know what our church did. You know, when I was on staff there at Word of Life, um, one time me and Pastor Sam were talking. And I asked him, I said, how much do we give to missions every year? And he said, I don't, I don't have a clue. And so, I, you know, we got and kind of got to talking. And he said, go tell them to pull up the numbers for the last 15 years from the church. And so, because he wanted to, you know, he's like, I don't really know. And I'm like, well, I think we should be telling the people what we're doing. And, um, you know, because I knew it was sizable, but we weren't talking about it. Well, I came back with the number, and it was $675,000 a year for the last 15 years. Well, it came out to be $12 million. I'm like, that's a lot of reasons to communicate what's going on. And, uh, and it was just something that the church was doing. Um, you know, and it was a decent percentage even of our uh, of our budget, if you will. And it was, you know, and it was everything from, you know, I mean, I'll kind of let you in on a little something that the Lord's had in my heart for almost two years that I've never shared um, is this, Is this, you know, in Acts it talks about that the Holy Spirit would come upon you, that you would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the othermost parts of the earth. Well, I believe that as a church, that we need to reach into three specific areas. Which is, this is how I describe it, which is, that's where I get it from, is local, national, and global. Is that we need to be generous at all three levels. We don't need to just send money to Africa with Brother Paul. We ought to do that. But we ought not to just send... That's, that shouldn't be the focus of our outreach missions, whatever you want to call it. And we don't spend anything here in our own backyard. This is the place God has placed us. This is the place God has called us. And so, what good is it? And I don't mean this by any way to diminish what they're doing there. But I believe we need to equally do things here. I mean, we, we, are, we live in America, and we ought to support things in our nation. We ought to support it through prayer. We ought to support it through finances. We ought to support it with our lives. You know, but the thing is, and look, and even when it comes to the area of prosperity, and many people, I believe, have a very skewed view of what prosperity is because it has actually very little to do with your checkbook. Um, Prosperity really has more to do with your mind and your heart and your soul than it does with your money. Now, money is a part of that, um, but it's... To me, it's the least significant part because your money ain't going with you, but our soul has to be renewed. Our spirit, man, has come alive unto God. And so, you know, and so I will say this, though, is even when it comes to those areas of what I would consider prosperity excess, I agree with much of the criticism. Um, You know, now I can just tell you because I know him very well. My pastor, Pastor Sam, I know him. I've known him my entire life. Even though people labeled him that, he's not. He's actually one of the most generous people I know. Um, behind closed doors, uh, I can't tell you how many times that we've just been out to eat a meal. And he sees somebody across the way that he met who knows where. And he says, hey, I want to pick up that guy's bill, but don't tell him that I did it. And he's like, I've been praying for that guy. I believe the Lord's working in his life, and I believe he's going to get saved. Mm-hmm. Now that guy, and he'll never know. Maybe he would, maybe he won't. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen that happen. How many times that you know uh, just privately? I mean, things he would that he's never talked about publicly. So I ain't gonna talk about because it it ain't my business, his business. But things that I know that he's done, just you know, because he had a heart and loved people, and that's where generosity is to flow out of is first out of a heart of love and compassion and desire to help. Um, you know. Uh, um, you know, and so we have these types of things, you know, and even these misconceptions sometimes when it comes to prosperity and what the Bible really says. And, you know, and I believe uh, also, though, that we can't, you know, have you ever heard the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? Just because there's an abuse doesn't mean it's wrong. It means they were wrong. And we've seen that and, you know, it's been a number of years ago, but I can remember growing up, especially in the late 80s. There was a big stain because a lot of people had misappropriated funds. And guess what? They deserved to go to jail. And they did. And they deserved to. They can say, Jesus, I'm sorry, but they still deserve to get locked up. Why? Because they broke the law, right? And so that's one of the reasons, like, for us as a church, I believe in what I call internal accountability and external accountability. So, you know, I mean, we have somebody who takes care of the books in-house. We have a board who sees uh, our finances. But we also have somebody who... Quite frankly, I've never even met, uh, nor has anybody here ever met, but they actually balance our checkbook every month. And if there's questions, they can say, hey, what is this? We need an explanation on this. You know, and, and I believe that's wise. Why? Because I don't want to be that guy going to jail. And uh, ultimately, yeah, it's on me. And, uh, you know, and so I would rather not go down that road. And, uh, you know, but... Uh, you know, the, but even with the criticism, the thing we have to know is that the Bible's very clear about God's desire for us to walk, not just in prosperity, because I believe God wants us to prosper, but I believe there's a place even beyond prosperity, which is generosity. Prosperity does not automatically mean that you're generous, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, I want to share some things with you um, About this and and so you know and even in thought with these but you know one of the things that I want you to make sure that you hear is that when I'm talking about that God wants us to prosper I don't want to give you the impression that he means us living lavishly or over the top that's not what I mean it doesn't mean that there's lots of zeros behind some big numbers in your bank account. I mean, I know some of us are used to zeros, but they're not the good kind of zeros. They're the bad kind of zeros. And, uh, you know, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about is that, you know, is that prosperity is really more about a mindset than it is about dollars in a, in a bank. It's, it's even about the stuff that you have, those kinds of things. Um, you know, because, you know, I believe in financial stewardship in my own life. I believe in that for our church. Uh, I believe in being wise with what the Lord places in our hands to do. I believe we give an account for it. Uh, And and if that's true, then we probably ought to kind of pay attention to these areas of our life. And um, because the Bible says everything that comes into our lives is a blessing from the Lord. And that we're managers of His stuff. And so, you know, but it does take a proper mindset. And so I want to share some verses with you here real quickly. um, Just kind of as we step into this, and I've shared this verse many times because it's, One of my favorite verses, but it's also probably my favorite verse along this subject. It comes out of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. It says, to give freely and become more wealthy. It says, be stingy and you'll lose everything. It says, the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Uh, The message translation says it this way. It says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses is abundantly blessed, and uh, those who help others are helped. Now, there's several things here that I want you to kind of understand and and to grab hold of tonight as we're talking about this. The word generous really means this. It means um, means blessing or to be liberal. To be liberal. You know... It's a lot easier to be liberal when it's not your money, right? If I gave you a $100 bill and said, hey, go find somebody tonight and go give it to them. It would be pretty easy. Why? Because it's not your money. It's my money. And you'd be like, no problem. You got any more? I can give a couple of them away. I can go make some people's night. You know, uh, but there is something, you know, and again, we're not talking about being frivolous or... Over the top in any way. But what we are talking about is being and living a generous life. And and I would say it this way. Is having a generous spirit. Because that's That's, that's a whole different mindset. We are called to have a generous spirit. Why? Because we know the God that we serve. We know that He's able. And that He watches over us. And that He's able to get me anything that I need when I need it. Now... You know, I, I believe what happens is that many times is that we will waste God's prosperity. Therefore, we never see it. Why? Because we spent it before it ever came. We didn't wait for God to bring it about in our life. And so we went out and bought a bunch of stuff that we couldn't pay for. And so we call that credit. And then now we're praying to God, help me get out of this hole. And God's saying, I wish you would have waited because I had blessings for you. And so sometimes, we, and not always, I mean, I understand, look, I have, you know, even bills right now that are medical bills. Well, hey, I, I mean, I didn't choose those things. Life happens, bills come, right? I mean, that's the way. And, you know, but I pay my bills. I, I don't wait until they're calling me to say, well, I guess I should probably pay that. You know, I try to be, you know, I mean, I can remember this was a number of years ago now. It was before me and Darren ever bought a house. And, um, you know, but I didn't have enough money to pay our rent that month. I had most of it, but I didn't have all of it. And I, I actually, at the time, our rent was 600 bucks. Now, this was back in 2003, 2004. It's been a number of years ago. And, uh, but I remember, and this is to me about being financially responsible. I didn't wait till it was the 10th day of the month to go to my landlord and say, hey, I don't have the money. I went a few days before it was due and said, this is how much money I do have. Can I go ahead and give this to you? And I will bring you the rest when I get my next paycheck. And he was like, yeah, no problem. He looked at me like I was nuts. Why? Because people don't do that. They're like, you're going to have to come to my house, knock on the door with a gun to get my money. Right? Right? I believe living righteously, you do things like that. You're like, hey, this is what I can do. I understand I have an obligation. I'm going to take care of this, but this is all I have. You know, and I believe the Lord will honor that. I also believe it gives you a lot of favor with people, by the way, in the natural to do that. Um, but, that's a total side note, but it, that's the practical side too. And, um, you know, but, so it says here that um, to give freely or to be generous and you will actually increase. And so, it, the word generous means to be a blessing or to be liberal. Uh, in other translations, New King James says it this way. Well, the New Living says that the generous will prosper. The New King James says the generous will be enriched. That word enriched is an interesting word. It means this, number one, to enlarge. But the second part of this, and this is the really interesting part. As much as I love these verses, I've never actually taken the time to study that particular word. Do you know what it actually means to anoint? The generous will be anointed. Now think about that. Now here's the thing about the anointing. The anointing attracts in our life. And so if I can stir up the anointing in my life in any area. Now, I'm not just strictly talking about finances, but this is part of it tonight. But if I will live generously, what happens? I've initiated a spiritual principle. I have now started something in motion that can gain momentum. And what happens is is that God will actually bring an anointing into my life. Now, I understand. You're like, I've heard this kind of stuff and that's that prosperity weirdness. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about, but this is what the Bible says. Go study the word for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Go get you a good study Bible, get you a concordance, get on Google, do whatever. You, I'm not making this up. The Bible says that the generous will be enriched. That when we're generous, I believe that there's an anointing that comes into our life. Even greater than what we've walked in. And here's the good thing, and the good news is that anytime the anointing comes, it always causes you to be what you can't be. Causes you to do what you can't do. It always takes you further than you can go by yourself. And, and so, even in the area of finances, when we live generously, guess what happens? God will actually increase us more than we can naturally do and of ourselves. Why? Because there's an anointing that's come into my life now. And um, you know, I, I've actually confessed this for years: is that Father, I thank you. There's an anointing on my life to that resources come to me. Amen. I don't say it all the time, and I'm not looking to anybody. But what I am looking to is the Lord to be my source. And that comes through in a lot of places, in a lot of ways. You know, and I'm going to actually give you something that happened just a few months ago. That's interesting, because I didn't even necessarily pray it, but I've been confessing that for a long time. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 8 here. This is the... Uh, where God's declaring a blessing over His children. Now, verse, or chapter 28 is all about the blessings, and then chapter 29, we start getting it. So the Lord says, if you do this, you're going to be blessed. If you do this, you're going to walk right into a curse. But He says in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 28, He says, if you will fully obey the uh, Lord your God. Now, there's a key, two words there, fully obey. Some people are like, well, I walk with the Lord. Do you fully walk with the Lord? Like. <laughs> And look, we all can say not always because nobody does all the time, but we want to. And to the best of our ability, we want to. He says, if you'll fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all of His commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord will, your God will set you on high above the nations of the world. He says, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. He says, your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. The fruit baskets and uh, breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. I like that one. Wherever I go and whatever I do, blessings are going to follow me. In verse 7, it goes on. It says, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. You ever seen that movie, The Nutty Professor? Yeah. You know that scene at the table where they're all sitting there talking and the grandma makes a statement. You might walk over here, but you're going to limp back. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. She starts tapping that stick or whatever it was. It's like, I would do the impersonation. But I, I love that line of that movie. You're going to walk over here, but you're going to limp back. (laughs) Maybe because it's kind of like my grandma, I don't know. But it says that your enemies will come from one direction, but they're going to scatter all over the place. Verse 8, it says, The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that He is giving you. Now, there's actually a great little book, and I need to get some for our bookstore. It's called The Storehouse Principle that actually comes out of verse 8. And it's actually referring to having money that you've designated set aside to say, Lord, whatever you lead me to do, I'm going to pull it out of that. In other words, it's like having a, let me say it this way, it's like having a godly savings account. and saying, Lord, whenever you stir in me to do something, I've already set, I've already set money aside for, for provision that the moment you speak that I have the ability to do it. Because I've had where I felt an impression of the Lord and then I didn't have the resources to do it. And then I'm like, oh. I wish I wouldn't have bought that yesterday or the week before, whatever it may have been, because the Lord wanted to use that here in this moment. You know, but the Bible actually says that the Lord would actually bless. And so, if you're curious, the book is called The Storehouse Principle. It's a little book, it's easy to read, but I would encourage you um, to read it. It's a great little book. And, uh, you know, it's really the story of a church and how God began to bless them and uh, to do this in, in their life. And so, uh, over in Psalms 35, verse 27, out of the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them continually say, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. You know, God actually enjoys it when we prosper. God wants us to prosper. I mean, John, First John... Uh, you know, says that, beloved, I pray, in other words, my desire is that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Yeah. I mean, that's God's desire. Now, again, we're not talking about over-the-top, lavishness, foolishness. I can only drive one car at a time. Exactly. You know, I can only sleep in one bed at a time. You know, and look, you may say, well, I got three. Well, you can have a work truck and a truck. I get that. You can have things God doesn't mind us having stuff as long as it's just not holding on to us in a negative light or a negative way. You know, I always think of it like this is that as long as the Lord asks for it and I'm willing to give it up, I'm all right. But the moment I'm like, "Mm," I might just need to go ahead and ask the Lord, what what do I need to do with this here? Because this is, you know, like I'll just give you an example of this. This is a foolish example, but just in my own life, I'm a watch guy. I like watches, right? I always have been. My son likes them. It's weird. Oh, yeah, he takes my watches off, and he he broke one because he probably slammed it onto the floor, the tile. I don't know. But I remember when I was in college that I went and bought this watch because I just thought it was the coolest thing. I wanted it so bad, and it was stupid because I was a broke college kid. And so I came home with it being all proud. At the time, I still lived with my parents, and my dad got to look, and he was like, What's that on your wrist? And I told him, he said, What did that cost? I'm like, I don't want to say. Because it was expensive, at least for a broke college student, it was pretty expensive. And my dad said, you're going to take that thing back. And I said, no, I'm not. I like watches. And he said, oh, you're going to take it back. He said, trust me, you're going to take that thing back. I was like, "Uh uh-uh. And we kind of had a little back and forth about it. I took it back. He was still my dad, you know? And um, I, was, I mean, I was probably 18 or 19, you know, didn't have a clue about anything, but it sounded like a good idea. And just so you know, I put it on a credit card because that's what smart college kids do, right? And uh, I go buy a watch that I can't pay for, and I put it on a credit card. And that's why my dad said, You ain't keeping that thing because you can't afford it. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't see the wisdom that he was trying to convey to me, but uh, I have since learned that dad was right. And, uh, but long story short, fast forward a number of years, Somebody gave me the exact same watch, exact same color, the, I mean, the exact same watch. From one of the most unlikely places. But I've also given watches away. My like, Lord, anything I've got. I, I, I don't want to be consumed with me and what I want. You know. And actually, one of my best friends gave me that watch. Now, he had no idea. Somebody had given it to him, and his thought was, this is too fancy of a watch for me. That's what he told me. Back then, I wore suits a lot and that kind of stuff. I don't wear suits too much anymore. And um, so, you know, but he thought, I can't wear this watch. I'm like i just, it's just sitting me. And he said, I prayed. He said, I felt like the Lord told me to give it to you. And I began to tear up because I'm like, man, you have no idea. You have no idea. And it was just, I mean, it's, I still have the watch. I don't even wear it anymore, but I still have it. And it's not so much because of the watch, it's because of who gave it to me. That's really what matters to me about it. But if the Lord asked me to give it up, I wouldn't think twice about it. I really wouldn't. I mean, I'd be joyous to do it. And that, that makes me happy because it says, hey, I've actually grown in that area. You know, and the thing is, is that the Lord doesn't mind us being blessed. As a matter of fact, He wants us to be blessed. He does. The Bible says that Jesus was made poor so that we could be rich in Him. Now, that again... We're not talking about lavishness, I mean, where your needs are met. Where you have an ability to go beyond yourself and to help others. That's what I mean by prosperous. But the Bible does say that the Lord delights when we prosper. 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says this, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, so they go back and forth throughout the earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. The Lord is looking for somebody that, he could, that, that when we would trust Him fully, that He can show Himself strong on our behalf. And that even includes the area of finances. It includes other areas as well. But, you know, <clears throat> there's something to be said when we actually see our source as from who it's supposed to be. My job is not my source. People are not my source. Now, all of us are actually supposed to live in this place. All of us. I go work a certain number of hours, I get paid a certain amount of money. Well, that's fine if that's all you ever want in a right way. Now, and we'll look at some things here in a few minutes about this that we have to be careful of. But I I don't want my job to be my source. I want God to be my source. So that when I pray, I'm not asking God necessarily, God, I need a new job. Maybe you do. And maybe you do need to pray that but maybe you need to get your focus off of you and off of your abilities and what you have and start trusting the Lord. And just say, Father, I thank you that you're going to bring about uh, your provision in my life. Now, how that comes, I don't have any clue. That might be a new job. It might be an opportunity. I shared with you and we, years ago, I felt like the Lord had really begun to uh, instruct us to get out of debt. And the first thing I did was I started uh, delivering phone books. I made like 800 bucks. That's a good way to start getting out of debt. Now, I had a full-time job. I got a a phone book on my doorstep. said, one extra cash? And I said, yes. I need some extra cash. How did you know? (laughs) Made the call. I did it for a month. And that was it. But the Lord blessed me with that opportunity. And there was an opportunity. Well, that wasn't a job. It's not a career. I'm not a professional phone book deliverer. I did it for, you know, 30 days, whatever it was. You know, and God has always brought about favor in my life. I've had people walk up and say, hey, you want a job? Didn't even know. Like, well, how did you know? Because the Lord had given me an opportunity. You know, and that's not because of my faith or my, no, it's because of the word of God that I just simply said, God, you're my source and you're going to provide for me. You know, I mean, and there are so many areas of my life that I look back on um, that, that I see where God has worked. For me and in my life, not because of me, but simply because I just said, God, you're my source. And I can break the power of the enemy in the area of finances and even in the area. And and the thing is, is sometimes it's not that we don't believe God wants us to be prosperous. The problem is we can't see ourselves prosperous. We can't see our lives being any different. Proverbs has a principle that says, as a man thinks in his heart. So let me rephrase it. How you see yourself, you see yourself broke, you're going to live broke. Why? Because that's who you believe you are. But the Word of God will come and change the way that you see yourself. That, hey, I don't have... Let me say it another way. You don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. You don't have to. Now, you may be there today. I've been there at times and then I've not been there at times. I prefer to not be paycheck to paycheck. That's my preference. But how many of you know I have to make decisions to not live paycheck to paycheck? And that's not God's fault. It's my fault. Because I made decisions. I, you know, I got to have this new whatever. Well, sometimes you need to sell something before you get something. Yeah. Right. right? I mean, you know, and look, I'm not telling you what to do. But if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, that's between you and Him. I mean, I think we should do that after every Christmas. I think every kid should have to give stuff away before Christmas comes. I think it's a great idea. Max is going to learn pretty soon. Before Christmas comes, we're going to clean. We're going to make some space because Christmas is coming. <sighs> this ain't mine. No, you live in my house. <laughs> this is my bed that I let you sleep in. Amen. That's my food that you, I let you eat. That's right. I mean, you know, that's my water that you bathe with. Amen. I love you. You're my son. But my room... I put that lock on that door. I can walk in there anytime I want. You may not agree with my parenting style. Who knows? I may lighten up a little bit. Y'all can be praying for Max. Just pray for some grace for Max. He may need it. He may not, though. It might be what he needs. No, but we have to be in a place where we understand that God wants us to prosper. God's desire is not for lack. God's desire is that we would have enough to meet our needs and the ability to meet the needs of others. And we may not be able to completely meet the needs of others, but we could be a part. You know, I've been thinking, uh, you know, uh, just with the end of the year and things that we did, you know, one of the things and I think I've probably, I'm sure I've told the church, um, but I was thinking back of different things that we've done in the last year. But, you know, there was a, and there is a church that's actually in North Carolina that we sowed seed into this last year for them to move into a building. And uh, so, I mean, the guy called me, somebody I knew, and he just said, the Lord just told me to call people that I know. And he says, if you can, you want to, cool. If not, don't worry about it. And we didn't sow a huge amount of money. It was 500 bucks. But we had it. We had it set aside. We have something in the church that we call the tithe account. It's 10% of whatever comes in, we set aside. And, uh, you know, that way, if things like the sign breaks, like it did a couple months ago, I didn't have to come and say, hey, we need $1,000 because the sign ain't working. We just got it fixed. You know, uh, I mean, and we're able to do that. And then as like with this church, we were able just to take care of some things. Um, You know, we were able to sow some seeds. That's being generous and that's who uh, we're called to be. You know, but you have to deal with the mentality. Let me think, let me say it another way. You can have money in the bank and think poor. You can think poverty. You can think lack. Why? Because I can't. Why? Because something might happen. Is the same God who provided to get you to this moment enough to get you there too. Yeah, but... See, it's a mentality. It's a thought process. Um, you know, here a while back, um, it's been a number of months ago, but this it, I actually got reminded of this today. And, and I'll just show you just something that happened in my own life. It's kind of a strange thing to say the least. But um, we had some things that we needed to pay. And at the moment, I didn't have the money to pay for it. You know, I mean, yes, I did. I mean, I'm, Long story short, but how many of you know you can never have like you know you can always have a little bit extra, right? And so I just had asked the Lord, and I said, "All right, Lord, you're going to provide." I don't know how, I don't know what, I don't know when. I'm going about my normal day. I'm closing up a bag of cereal. This has absolutely happened, and I'm going to tell you exactly how it happened. I closed the bag of cereal, closed it up, and I went to put it up, and I thought, "What was that on the inside of that box?" I get the sear box down. This was Max's sear. I look in there and there's a sticker. I thought, what is that? I'm thinking I'm thinking this kid's toy. That's honestly what I thought. I pull the sticker off and it says, You have won a Microsoft Surface. And I thought, this is a joke. That's really what I thought. I look on the box and it says, You could possibly be an instant winner. How many of you know nobody ever wins those things? (laughs) Right? Like, never happens. Like, never happens. I pull it out and they say, you know, you got to send a certified letter. And I'm like, well, that's two bucks. Who knows? I send it off. I'm like, why not? They said I was an instant winner. Let's see if this thing's legit. I had no expectation that anything was ever going to come back. Three weeks later, I got a package. Get a little UPS notification. You have a package ready for delivery tomorrow. I didn't order nothing. Shows up. I'm, I'm, I'm asking, Dara, I ask, I'm like, hey, did anybody order something? I don't know what's coming to the house. A brand new Microsoft Surface in the wrapper. And you know what my thought was? I'm not a Windows guy. <laughs> what do I need a Microsoft Surface for? I bought a $2 box of cereal. This is no joke. Exa- I mean, I'm i not exaggerating in any bit. The next day I told Derek, I said, hey, put that on that little app thingy. See if somebody wants it. How much you want to ask for it? I don't know. Get online. What are these things worth? 400 bucks. Tell me we want $400. Within hours. Not like days. Within hours. Darius texts me. Some guy says he wants it. It's his. I want my money. I'm I'm not exaggerating. $400. Thank you very much. And you know what I do with that $400? I went and took care of some bills. That's what I had prayed for. I didn't say, baby, let's go to the buffet. (laughs) (laughs) Cha-ching! Now, you may say, that's just chance. I don't believe in chance. I don't. I don't believe in luck. I had a conversation with somebody this week. And they were talking about, you know, gambling and doing those kinds of things. I'm like, look, the Lord must know that I can't gamble. Because every time I've ever bet anything in my life, I've lost. Every, I mean, from like middle school, betting on the Super Bowl. I'll bet you your lunch money tomorrow. I well should have just gave it to him Because I was going to lose. I mean, I, yeah. If you ever come to me on a bet, whatever I say, do the opposite. I'm telling you, I don't know if I've ever won one thing. The Lord's just like, nope. Yeah. That's right. I'm too competitive. I'd be that guy four days later. I'm getting my money back. I'm just digging a deeper hole would be bad. No, but I mean, as foolish as that is, and here's the thing I honestly didn't even know that the box had even said that and just happened. You know what it reminded me of? When Jesus looked at Peter and said, Hey, go down there and throw a hook in the water, and the first fish you get, pull it out and go pay the tax with it. Amen. That Sierra box was my fish. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's amazing. I didn't even think about it. I could have just easily thrown that box away. Would have never known. But something caught my eye and I thought, what was that? I could have just walked away, thrown the box away. Never known. But yet, God, provision came in that moment. You know, the Bible says, and we know these verses, but Luke 6.38 says what? Given it shall be given unto you. Right? I initiated it. It's on my part first. You know, and so, you know, we do our part. We do have a part to play. It's not just God, one day you're going to, you know, I'm not going to just strike the, hit the lottery and God's going to provide for me that way. Look, what you do with the lottery is your business. But let me tell you this, the odds are drastically against you. If you want to consider that recreation, that's between you and the Lord. Some people are like, I just do it for fun. I can't do that. I just don't. Why? Because, and I, I mean, I, how many people say, oh, I'm going to pray over my lottery ticket. I'm going to pray over my lottery ticket. I'm going to pray over my lottery ticket. I mean, you know, Lord, give me six numbers in a row. Give me six numbers, you know, power ball. Most people with that mentality that says, hey, when I win the lottery, I'm going to do da-da-da, that tells you that your trust is in one day, you're going to get them lucky five, lucky four, lucky six numbers. Well, here's the problem with that. For all that time, what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you. I do trust that one day I'm going to strike it rich. And there's no, like, actually, because, you know, God actually has, let me say this one, is that God has a path for our prosperity. And one of the things that it requires is actually financially being sound. Yes. And that, being disciplined in those areas of our life. You know, and this goes for me, it goes for you, it goes for all of us. And, there, and let me say this, just so, I mean, because I, I want to be clear. There are times that everything in me wants to give. But then I go and look and I say, I don't have anything to give. And I can't in that moment. Well, I don't get discouraged in that moment, but what I do is I turn to God and say, God, I want to be generous. And I ask you to bless me because I want to be a blessing to other people. I'm not in this for me. I'm not trying to build something for me. Is it God? I truly want to be a light to people and to show that you're a good God. And just as you said in Luke six thirty-eight, that if I would give, that people would give unto me. I want to be the person who gives. I don't want to just be the one who receives. I want to be the giver. I want to be the one who blesses. I want to be on the other side of my giving. See, all of a sudden, the heart of it is different. I don't want to... I mean, and the Bible says, hey, it's more blessed to give than receive. I mean, I've got things in my life that I want to be able to do by generosity. That, hey, I ain't there yet. I'm not even close yet. But you know what? I am intentional today because that day is coming. That day is coming. Now, I don't know when and I don't know how. But I do believe in my heart that there are things that, that man, I, I want to be generous. Amen. I, I want to live in a way that even when God says stuff. I mean, I remember I, I was talking to somebody one time. And uh, it was a, somebody who was very prosperous in the naturals realm. And I asked him one time, I said, man, how did you, you know, how did this all start? Now, this was years. I mean, he'd been, you know. The Lord had really blessed this particular gentleman. And he said, you know, it wasn't a big deal when God asked me to give hundreds of dollars. He said, but he told me the story. He said, I remember when the Lord told me to give $10,000. Now, $10,000 is a lot of thing money. I don't care who you are. That's a lot of money. And this was what he told me. He said, now I'm just going to be honest with you. I had to run home and put it in the mail before I changed my mind. I'm like, I can understand. Like, I got to do this now. Well, I mean, shoot. I want to give $10,000 away. That sounds fun. Not really, but it's, <laughs> that's what you're supposed to say, right? I mean, but he, but he said, that broke something in my life. You know, and it's not always just money that we give. Sometimes it may be something that's valuable to you. But the Lord prompts you and says, hey, sow this into their life. It's like my friend who gave me a watch. It really didn't mean anything to him. But it means a lot to me. It was just a watch. that Actually, somebody had given him, which was kind of the crazy thing. Somebody else gave it to him and he thought, I need to give it to David. And that's, you know, and that's exactly the way that God worked. And see, And we want to be in a place... Even as a church, that hey, we're generous. That it's not just about, you know, this isn't an investment equation. We put this much in, we got this much out. It's not about that. It's not a profit and loss statement. You don't put people on a profit and loss statement. You put people in heaven or hell. And that's what counts. And if we can influence people, and to love people, and to reach people... And it's going to require that we're generous with not just our our, t- our money. You can get more money. You can't get more time. So you can argue that time is actually more valuable than money. You can get more money. There's only 24 hours in a day. There's 365 days a year unless we're only leap year. You. you get 366. You get an extra one. Everybody gets the same amount of time. But are we generous with our time? Or are we selfish with our time? When the Lord says, pick up the phone and call that friend. You're like, oh gosh, no. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No, 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 no. I'll call, you try to barter with God. God, I'll call five other people. And I won't be on the phone as long as I will be with that one. What if I make six, seven, eight? The Lord's like, no, I want you to call that one. Oh, no, 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 no. That's living generously. That's going out of my way to do something for somebody that I don't want to do. I'm not talking about people just, what I call those leeches in your life that just suck the life out of you. But if the Lord prompts you, sometimes you've got to call them too. We're to live generous lives. I mentioned this earlier, but I I think a lot of times people miss it in the fact that they think that when I'm prosperous, then I'll be generous. But God actually says it the exact opposite way, is that generosity in our lives will bring about prosperity. It's just a principle. Generosity brings about prosperity in many areas. I mean, like I said earlier, you can be a tither and yet be stingy. I mean why because you 're not really open you 're not liberal with your life, and God wants us to live generous lives. James chapter four, a couple of verses here, starting in verse one. James writes and says, What is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? He says, Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? He says, You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you don't get it. So you fight and wage war to um, to take it away from them. He says, uh, Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. He says, Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Because you want it only to give yourself pleasure. The Amplified Bible Where there it talks about in verse 3. Talking about motives. It says that you ask with wrong motives. Out of selfish or an unrighteous agenda. So in other words. You may be asking for God to work in your life. But you want to spend it on yourself. And what you want. It goes on it says. So that when you get what you want. You may uh, spend it on your hedonistic desires. It's actually fleshly natural desires. You ask for God to bless you. But it's not because you want to be generous. I ask God to bless me so that. I can go buy my new latest thing, that new TV that I want for my Super Bowl party, or whatever it may be. You know, and whatever those things in your life may be. As opposed to just waiting and trusting in the Lord and just saying, God, I I want to be more of a blessing. I want you to use me greater. And that's not an evil prayer. The Bible says it's the love of money. It's the root of all evil. Money is not evil. It's the pursuit, the desire, the focus of money. Money has ruined lots of people, but it wasn't the money that ruined them. It was their desire and their pursuit of money. That it became ultimate when it's just not ultimate. There's only one thing that's ultimate, which is salvation in Jesus. That's ultimate. Money is not ultimate at all. You know, the Bible, actually one of the Ten Commandments talks about not coveting. And that's really part of what it's talking about here. It says, hey, don't covet. In other words, don't have a wrong desire for what belongs to somebody else. If you really want to know where you're at on this scale, if you're stingy or generous, let somebody that you know get something that you want and see how you feel about it. Can't believe they drive that kind of car. What they live in that kind of house for. They don't need that. Are you going to give an account for the car they drive or the house they live in or are they they are now i say this because i've walked through this and i've had to where i had some not great like, lord why did they get blessed i'm doing better than them Them am jokers in sin <laughs> uh, and, and, and we can compare say well they don't deserve that well there's lots of things we don't deserve You know, I I mean, I'm just being honest with you. So we have to be careful when we see something in somebody else's life and make a snap judgment about somebody. You know, I I mean, because you don't know all the details, you don't know all the story, you don't know the backstory, you don't know some of the sacrifice, you don't know the position of their heart before the Lord. So, it's, I mean, so why does all that matter? Because we need to take care of our own hearts. We need to keep our hearts right before the Lord. So why? So that covetousness does not get in. The word covetousness <clears throat> means this. It means to desire to even lust after. You know, there's three types of lust that we see <clears throat> in Scripture. It's the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. What's well, the lust of the eye? It's a desire for things that you see that you want. You know, First Peter chapter 2 verse 11 says this, and I believe that it's exactly what, uh, what we're talking about here. It says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, so it does us good to remember this is temporary, this isn't eternal, what we experience now. It says to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Keep away from desires that wage war against your soul. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about believing God for things. And, and this is what I told him. I said, you know, usually it takes God longer than I think he should to bring things into my life. But it's always better than I thought it would be, too. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I mean, I've never been like, oh, my gosh, God, you're like a year early. <laughs> I mean, in the flesh, most of the time, I'm like, it's about time. <laughs> Dang, I've been praying. Finally listen. Thank you. You know, just being honest, that's, you know, that's your flesh. Don't act like you ain't ever thought that. We've all thought that. About time. But when the Lord brings it about. See, here's the thing. The Bible says is that the Lord will prosper us and there will be no sorrow with it. It's like when you go buy that car and then you got to pay that note. You're like, oh, I don't know if I like that car that much this month. And I say that as somebody who has a car note. So, um, you know, I'd love to not have it, but we do. So, it's just part of it. Well, I pay my bills, so I'm all right. They ain't come to take it. But but I also understand, it don't belong to me. It belongs to some bank somewhere. And if I don't pay it, they're going to come take it. And it ain't their fault. It's my fault. But what happens sometimes is that we want things that just really aren't that important. But we see them as being important. And so the the, the enemy will use our desires to actually rob us of what God wants to do in our lives. To steal uh, prosperity. And, and And I think it's interesting. The words that are used there says that it will wage war even against our very souls. I mean, the whole idea of this last month. The kind of the overarching theme of January was what? Pray first. I've shared this before, one time I went and bought a car, it was right before me and Derek got married, and uh, she didn't have a car, and uh, long story, but basically her dad had told us that she needed to get some life experience, that's the wrong thing to say to me, because I'm like, alright, she's going to move out, she's going to get a car, she got her own job, and don't call her for money, and uh, you know, I'm a, that's actually about how I felt about it. Well, within a month, we had bought her a car, she had moved out, and all kinds of things. We bought that car. I knew that I knew. I mean, I knew it like I know that my name's David. Don't buy this car. I'm telling you, I knew, I knew, I knew don't buy that car. I didn't even have to pray about it. And God was like, in mercy, I'm going to tell you don't buy that thing. Just trying to help me. I bought it. We spent more money fixing that car than we paid for that car. And it wasn't a cheap car. Just... She took a right turn one day and the transmission was just gone. I'm I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm 100% truth. Never missed a lick, made a turn. She calls. My car won't go forward and it won't go backwards. What'd you do to it? $3,500 later. Woo. The best day of my life was when I got rid of that car. This is no joke. I'm not exaggerating at all in this. When we got there a new car, I put that thing on a U-Haul trailer and drove it like a couple hundred miles. We stayed in a hotel around the corner from the dealership. I backed the car off of the trailer and drove it to the dealership. Which was like a block away because I wasn't sure it would make it around the block. They said, we'll give you $1,500. I said, you're a sucker. But I'll take it. I mean, I'm dead serious. Dead serious about it. It was the best day of my life. Go to the scrap pile for all I care. Man. But what happened? I got impatient. This is what I want. It wasn't even the car Dare wanted necessarily. I mean, she liked it. I was like, this is a car. Holy Spirit saying, don't buy this thing. Don't buy this thing. No, this is it. <clears throat> You know, the Lord never apologized for me for that, by the way. He never said, I'm sorry. He said, I tried to tell you, sucker. I'm like, yep. Yeah, I pray before I buy vehicles now. And, uh, you know, I make sure I've heard from the Lord. I'm like, I'm going to have some peace because I ain't going through that again. One last thought. I'm out of time. Let me give you one last thing about this. This is is going to kind of take it another step further, uh, a little bit deeper into our hearts, is that, you know, one of the greatest things I believe um, that we're not aware of or pay attention to sometimes when it comes to the area of of prosperity or blessing in our life and really being generous is this, is that sometimes to be generous, we'll, we'll have to forfeit some comfort. There's some things that we may enjoy, that God may ask us to step out and to even do, Maybe it's an area of finances, and you're thinking, well, Lord, I had that money set aside for this, this, and this. And he says, I know. Yeah, but Lord, I had this money set aside for. Yeah. And it might be uncomfortable for you to take those steps. Now, I'm not telling you to do anything. I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm give you a biblical example. Elijah went to a widow who said, all I have is some flour and some oil. And he goes, make me a cake first. The prophet of the Lord says, hey, if you'll make me a cake first in faith, that oil's not going to run dry and God will provide for you. But make me a cake first. Can you imagine if I did that? I'd be strung up in a lynch mob. I'd be all over the news. Pastor takes widowed poor woman's oil, says I need a pancake first. I'd probably go to jail. He'd be like burning my house down. But you know what? That act of obedience is what created her provision. So maybe, I mean, I was about to say, I'm not saying that you should give everything you had, but if that's all you got and the Lord says I need that, that might be your breakthrough. God doesn't need a lot. He just needs obedience. There's actually multiple accounts of something very similar to that. One happened with Elijah, one happened with Elisha. And even the word was, "Hey, you go get all the the jars and vases and everything you can find, and you keep pouring until the oil stops." Here's the interesting thing: the oil stopped when they ran out of vases. They didn't have extra vases. And here's the: if they would have had more vases, it would have kept pouring. Now that lady got to go get her sons from being taken as slaves. See, the answer to your future and even your prosperity is in your house right now. It's in your hand. You may say, well, this isn't anything. It doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be sown in faith. It has to be sown out of a generous heart. So we have to be careful that our comfort doesn't even stand in in our way or in the ability of us to be generous. We have to be careful not to fall into several categories. Number one is greed, ungodly desires, and even our comfort. We have to trust the Lord and we have to follow his plan for our life. And prosperity will come. God's blessing will come when we follow his plan. Now sometimes God's plan, it seems like you're going down and God's saying, but I'm going to bring you up. Well, Lord, I mean, this doesn't make sense. I mean, surely you've got a calculator in heaven. (laughs) Do I need to remind you about addition and subtraction? This ain't even calculus because I don't know how to do that stuff anyways. But, Lord, I can't do that. It's a step of faith. And that's the thing that we can't measure. I can't measure for Matt what's a step of faith. I can't marry or, or measure what's a step of faith for Chris and Lisa. And likewise, they can't measure it for me. And, and we can't necessarily see what steps of faith have been taken. And those, you know, those opportunities... That have come and and those those sacrifices that have been made. And so that's why we have to be careful looking at somebody else from the outside and say, Oh, well, they're just different than me. Probably not. Maybe you should go ask them. Hey, tell me your story. I'm curious. Is there anything I can learn? Because what you'll probably find is a struggle that they made the right decisions in. And it created something that God did in their life. And God said, hey, I'm going to take what looked bleak and turn it into a testimony. That, hey, we were at the end of our rope and we didn't know what else to do. I mean, I can tell you that in my own life. I've been there a couple times. More than I'd like to admit. Whether that be physical, financial, family, whatever it may be. That it's like, Lord, I I don't know what else to do. But this much I do know is that you're my source. And I'm going to stay in faith. And I'm going to keep believing you. And I'm going to keep honoring your word. And because I, I don't have any other choice, because right. there's not a there's not another option. Not even like not even a better. There's not another option for me. God, this I've settled it. You are my option. It's kind of like me and Dara. We're married. I'm not looking for another wife. She's my option. If I want a better marriage, it's going to be with her. There's not another option. I'm just hoping she don't trade me in for a. A newer model. No, I mean, that, but how many, how many of you know that me being a generous husband actually helps my marriage? Her being a generous wife or a generous father or a generous employee or a generous boss. Yes. Selfish or selfless people are better people. Why? Why they are. They're happier for one. Yes. I mean, for no other reason. You're like, man, I want to be, I wish I could be generous. You can be. Hear me, every single one of you have the potential to be generous. But you're going to have to make some choices along the way. It says, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do what seems stupid to my mind in this moment. But I'm going to trust you.